What's going on, everybody? My name is Mike Jimenez. It is Monday here in San Antonio, here in South Texas. Hope everyone is having a fantastic start to the week and already people giving me crap on our chat lines right now. We're live on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms, but already people coming at me already because, as you know, Joe Garcia typically produces this show, right? I am the person that gets the ball rolling, but Joe's the one that turns the lights on and turns the lights off, right? He did the Fantasy Gods yesterday and did not change the formatting to our stream. So when I hit start to get the show going at 10.30, it said Fantasy Gods. And I'm like, oh my god, I gotta change that. So then I, I, I quickly turn it off, and then I spend five minutes trying to find an intro to something. Now, it's typically this is called the San Antonio Sportscast, right? Typically, that's what it's called. Uh, but I couldn't find the intro music for all that, but I found it right now. Uh, uh, I found it. I found the old one, which was the um, the, the uh, MJ Acquire Taste one. I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go ahead and do that. So already, Chris Leha is on our chat line right now saying, like Jimenez, the show never lasts long because the first show that I tried doing this morning lasted about eight seconds, which is about the same amount of time I would last with Paige Bronick. Okay, it lasted just eight seconds. Uh, but uh, Chris Gonzalez is out saying part two. That's right. We're doing part two, baby. Part two. Paul Contu reaches out and says, yo, we are here. David Atwater, two comments already saying F Florida State and their backup quarterback. And how about them horns, baby? We have a lot to get into. Got a nice little rundown of what we're going to talk about today. First of all, the Texas Longhorns, are they really back? Yeah, they are back. Okay, they made the college football playoff. But can they actually win the whole thing? Like Jake Taylor said in Major League, only one thing left to do is win the whole fucking thing. Can they actually do it? Uh, did the college football playoff committee get it right? Because so many people are going back and forth on this. And we have to really deep dive into whether this was the right thing for them to do to bring Alabama in and leave an undefeated Florida State team out. People coming at me all over the weekend saying, Jimenez, you said if Bama was going to win, uh, that Texas would uh, possibly be on the outside looking in. In a weird way, in a weird way, things folded out perfectly for the Texas Longhorns. And that's a good thing, right? I'd rather be wrong about things like that than be right. Uh, but the Longhorns, man, they looked fantastic this past weekend in the Big 12 championship. I mean, put up almost 50 points. Uh, against Oklahoma State. We're going to get into that. UTSA is going bowling. We now know who the opponent is. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of disappointed by it all, man. You know, it's just one of those things where I look at it and I go, we moved into a bigger conference into the AAC, and this is who we're playing in a bowl game. So we'll get into that. UTSA, a big favorite in the Frisco Bowl. Texas State also going bowling. We'll talk about them as well. A&M would be in the Texas Bowl. We'll have to get into the San Antonio Spurs, who have now lost, what is it, 14 in a row now? When is the bleeding going to end? When are the Spurs going to actually win a game? They're on the road Wednesday. They've got some time off because of the NBA play-in tournament. They've got some time off right now. Uh, but it just looks bad, man. I think that if the Spurs don't beat the Bulls in you know a handful of days, that might actually go to 20. That losing streak might go to 20. And at that point, can we finally ask for new leadership on this team? I mean, when is enough enough when it comes to the Spurs and when it comes to this rebuild? And everyone coming at me going, oh, well, they, they look better. I mean, they scored 130 points or whatever it was. Dude, it, a loss is a loss, man. And there's no way in the world a team uh, with Devin Vassell and with Victor Wembanyama should be losing 14 in a row. Again, the chat lines are open. Uh, Tim Gonzalez saying, no, Bama should not have been in it. Okay, let's get into that. Let's go ahead and call, talk about the college football playoff. College football playoff is now set. You've got Michigan at number one. You've got uh, Washington at number two. Texas at number three. Bama at number four. Left out in the cold, who had legitimate arguments to be in this playoff. You've got Georgia, the two-time national defending champion, who had won 29 games in a row before losing to Bama on Saturday. You have Ohio State, one lost team. Their only loss was to Michigan, the number one overall team, on the road, and they were 40 yards away from winning that game. They were a minute away from winning that game, and they couldn't pull it out. You also have Florida State, undefeated in the ACC. And, I mean, 
they're undefeated, right? They're the Power Five conference. They went undefeated, uh, but they were on their third string quarterback for a while there. Uh, if they were to make the playoff, their second stringer would come back. They don't look good offensively. They only put up like 16 points over the weekend, and it's the eye test, right? So did the college football playoff committee do the right thing? And the answer is yes, they did. And it's sad to say that because the criteria for this is, is it the most deserving or is it the four best teams? And that's two different things, man. The best teams in college football, they got three of them in there. They got three of them in there. They got Texas. They've got Michigan. And I guess you can say, oh, wow. I mean, maybe they did get it right. Maybe they did get it right. I mean, Michigan and Washington go undefeated, 13-0, in a better conference than the ACC, right? Pac-10, Big Ten, or Pac-12, Big, uh, Big, 12, uh, Big Ten have, have had a better season than the rest. They were not going to leave out the SEC, man. They weren't going to do it. The SEC is the best conference in college football. They win almost every single um, title over the past 20 years that Clemson didn't win, right? The, 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 it is SEC football is college football. And you weren't going to leave out a one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Bama. But I will say this, though. I keep thinking about this. And one of our good friend John Dyer comes at me on Twitter about this, thinking that it sounds stupid. But I don't think it is. I think that if Georgia had beaten Alabama, Texas would not have made the playoff. I will say that again. If Georgia had beaten Alabama like they should have and were favored to do so, Texas probably wouldn't have made the playoff. Everything fell perfectly in place for them. And people were reaching out to me on Twitter saying, well, that sounds stupid, Michael, because, you know, Texas ranked three. They would have just fallen to four. No. No, that's not what would have happened. Bama beating Georgia, Georgia would have been the number one overall seed, and then it would have been Michigan, then Washington. I believe that that Alabama win that Texas had in Tuscaloosa in week two of the season would have been diminished a little bit. And the college football playoff committee would have had the ability to have a playoff of four teams that would have been undefeated in Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State. You can sell that. All four teams are undefeated. You can sell that. But the second that Bama won, it elevated Texas slightly. And then Texas going on and, you know, they they – did so well in the, in the Big 12 championship game that they couldn't be denied. I mean, it was a statement game. It was a statement victory. And it was an exclamation point on a fantastic uh, season for the Texas Longhorns. And Quinn Ewers just went off breaking records in that Big 12 championship. So Texas does deserve to be in there. And I've said that from the beginning that Texas deserves to be in there. My question was, was, was Texas actually going to get in there? I never said Texas didn't deserve to be in the playoff. They are one of the four best teams in college football. But there's so many teams that had arguments. I mean, you could say that seven teams had arguments. But the ones that really you couldn't say anything about were, were, were Michigan and and um, Washington for going undefeated in their conferences. They got it right, man, because no one wants to watch Florida State get their ass handed to them, especially after TCU got just bombarded in the national championship. It was embarrassing last year. No one wants to do that. Chris Lehigh down says people can't accept the SEC will never be out. It will it'll never be out. Why would it be out? Why would it be out? And a lot of comments are being made right now about, well, the SEC, you know, um, collectively against the Big 12 and collectively against the Big 10. It's not about collectives. It's about what's on top. And what's on top is that you have a conference there that has uh, a Bama, that has a a Georgia that has an LSU who are really good teams. I mean, you're talking about, I think they had like, like, like five of the top 11, 12 teams were from the SEC. Of course you need to have a, a champion come out of there. Of course you need to have a representative in there. College football is about SEC football. Okay. And that's why Texas is going there. That's where the money is. That's where the, the glitz and glamor is. And Texas gets to show up over there. And I think that if Georgia had won against Bama, they would have the, the committee would have had that that uh, SEC representative there, and they wouldn't have to look for Bama to come in. Although I wouldn't have minded, but then they would have said, you know what? It's either Texas or Florida State, and I think they would have gone Florida State. 
There's no math or rhyme or reason to this. This is all subjective. And for people to say that I'm stupid for thinking that, no, this is just 13 guys in a committee coming together to make this decision. 13 guys. There's no national panel of AP poll writers from all over the country. It was just 13 guys who just went into a room and said, what are we going to do? We're going to kick him out? All right, let's kick him out. And that was it. That was it. Chris Layout reaches out and says, based on the current rankings, if we had the 12-team playoff, the SEC would have four teams in right now. Probably. Probably. Uh, on top of that, uh, if you noticed also, uh, I, I'm a big proponent of the group of five having a representative in there. And for so long, it was believed that Tulane would be that team, uh, but it ended up being uh, Liberty uh, going out there and getting that, uh, that uh, big bowl berth over there. So congratulations to Liberty. Drew Show reaches out with one of our – what do they call these things, man? The, the, these these power, power chats, if you will, man. Donating five bucks to the cause over here, man. Appreciate that. He says, I want to live in a universe where, where Ime is a Spurs coach telling LeBron do something instead of Pop calling fans dumb because oh, – wait. I want to live in a universe where Ime Yadoka is a Spurs coach telling LeBron do something instead of Pop calling fans dumb, mean, ugly, classless, for, uh, for boring. Um, interesting. Interesting. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. I, I do want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but let's continue with the college football talk. Mike Baez says Michigan looked bummed to be playing Oklahoma. Uh, actually, talk, they looked bummed to be playing Bama. So when they made the announcement, you know, Bama's there just doing a golf clap. Texas is all cheering, which they should. It's been a while since they've been there. Uh, but then you have uh, Michigan going out there, find out that the number four team was not going to be Florida State, uh, which is who they would have dominated. It ends up being Alabama, and there was an actual groan. You can hear that. You could just hear that groan. Right now, the odds are out. The Rose Bowl, you have Michigan favored by a point and a half over Bama. Sorry, Bama's going to win that game. And you have Texas, even though they're the three seed, going up against the two seed, Washington. Texas favored by four over Washington, and I would lay the points. Texas is going to the national championship game. That game, Texas-Washington is being played in the Sugar Bowl at the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's kind of a home game, right? You would expect that three-quarters of the, of the people there at least are going to be cheering for Texas. So it's going to be kind of a home game for the Longhorns. Favored by four points. Give the points, man. I think we're going to have a national championship game that is going to be a rematch of week two between Texas and Bama. And Texas has gotten a little bit better since beating Bama and Tuscaloosa, but Bama's gotten a lot better since they lost by 10 to the Horns. That's going to be a great national championship game. I think any national championship game that involves Bama and or Texas is going to be huge in the ratings. But my God, if those two schools played each other, and they're going to be SEC partners, if you will, SEC competitors beginning next season, wow. That is going to be fireworks right there. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mike Bias says, yes, Bama. I understand. I understand. Um, MV reaches out to us. Says, so Jeff Trailer." Went from potential AM coach to Houston coach to just staying at UTSA. Appears so. It appears so because coaching moves are typically done right around this week. And it looks, I'm not saying that UTSA is out of the woods yet, uh, but for the most part, it looks like Trailer is coming back. I mean, there could be a last minute thing that heads his way, but as of right now, he looks like he's going to be the head coach of the UTSA Roadrunners next year. And I'm sure a lot of Roadrunner fans are happy about that. But he was elevated in status, man. He, he interviewed very well, apparently, for the A&M gig. He did uh, multiple times for the Houston Cougars gig. I think the Houston Cougars gig, honestly, it's not a parallel move. Like, a, like It's not just going from left to right where it's not that much of an increase in stature. There would have been an increase in stature because there's more money at the University of Houston. Um, but I don't think it was leaps and bounds above UTSA because he would have gotten lost in the mix of Houston sports. At least in San Antonio, the UTSA Roadrunners are second to the San Antonio Spurs. In Houston, you've got the Texans. You've got the Astros. You know, you've got uh, a lot of different things going on in Houston when it comes to that sports landscape. 
he would have been lost in the shuffle over there. But speaking of UTSA, UTSA is in the Frisco Bowl, which is going to be December 19th on ESPN. It's a weekday game. They're taking on Marshall, a 6-6 six and six team. UTSA favored by 8.5 points. UTSA has never won a bowl game. This could be our first opportunity. To me, it's a bit of a disappointment, man. We go from Conference USA to the American Conference, and we're, we're expecting to have bigger teams, bigger names. And instead, we're in a bowl right now to take on Marshall, which, don't get me wrong, is a very, very good football program, a storied football program in college football. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's not sexy. It's not exciting. It really isn't. Now, there was, there was some talk out there that uh, UTSA could have gone out to the Fenway Bowl out in Boston. I would have been excited about that. They would have taken on like a Boston College or something like that out there. This would have been a bigger name school. Uh, but instead, uh, Jeff Trailer, head coach, was interviewed. And I saw this interview online last night where he was saying that his players wanted to play a bowl game before Christmas. They wanted to play a bowl game close to San Antonio so that their friends and family could go and that there'd be a lot more UTSA fans out there. So they're excited to be playing in the Frisco Bowl up there in the DFW area. Speaking of DFW area, that's where we're going to find Texas State Bowling in the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. That's going to be on the day after Christmas in Dallas. They're taking on Rice. A&M is going to be playing the Texas Bowl in Houston against Oklahoma State. More comments coming in. David Atwater says Houston is part of the Big 12, though. They will be. They will be. Uh, that's part of the new uh, – well, yeah, they are. You're right. Uh, but the fact of the matter is is that it's the, – the Power 5 is dead now. I mean, it, it's dying this year, you know, when you have the decimation of the Pac-12. You have the Big 10 getting richer. You have the shuffling going on in the Big 12, and it's like – yeah, it's the Big 12 by name, but there's no more Oklahoma. There's no more Bedlam. There's no more Texas. It's like, yeah, it's Big 12 by name, but not by by the historic standards of what it was. Although Houston was part of the South, Southwest Conference way back when. Tim reaches out and says, I thought UTSA would have played my Blue Devils, the Duke Blue Devils in Birmingham. Uh, they were up for a lot of different bowls out there, but as Jeff Trailer said, uh, he he wanted to have a, a bowl game closer to home, and that's kind of where Chris Gonzalez reaches out and says it doesn't help that UTSA fans don't travel. The bowl committees want some fans to travel. Now, UTSA fans are traveling better than they have before, and I know this because I have a lot of friends who go to all the road games, have been the one. They were at Tulane. They were in Knoxville for the Tennessee game, uh, and you see that contingent of fans getting bigger and bigger. It used to be a handful of fans, but now you've got like 50, 100, 200 strong that are going to every single game. And I know that's not going to pack the stadium or anything like that, but at least UTSA fan is getting a little bit better when it comes to that. The Drew Show reaches out and says, the UTSA was a feeder school for UT Austin for decades, or you ended up there if you didn't work out in your first choice. Nobody in San Antonio actually went to it, so almost zero alumni support. Well, it, it was a commuter school for so long. I mean, I remember when I went to UTSA, I graduated from UTSA in August of 2001. And a lot of us used to wear T-shirts that would say uh, UTSA Roadrunners still undefeated because we didn't have a football team. And that was a dream. I mean, it was considered to be like the, the notion that we were a university of 30,000 students, now closer to 40,000 students, and didn't have a college football team was kind of ridiculous. But the trajectory that UTSA football has gone over the past dozen years from nothing to being part of the AAC is very, very commendable. There is – this is going to be a generational thing of getting people excited about UTSA football and getting more people out there. I went to all but one UTSA home game this year, all but one. And I will say this. There are about 20,000 strong – 18,000 strong who go to basically every game, who cheer their hearts out, who know what's going on. But whenever a bigger school comes in, like an army comes in or a school that we've recognized comes in and we get to a crowd of 25, 30, 35,000, I think it gets diluted. It's weird. It's a weird thing over there at the Alamo Dome. It's like you have twice as many people, but it seems quieter when you have the, the casuals show up. 
Uh, but right now, the the fan base of UTSA is getting bigger. That that's kind of the reason why I want them to have their own stadium is because playing in a sixty five thousand seat place, even if you if you cover the top and it's thirty five thousand, it, it just seems a little bit awkward. It really does. They should have their own stadium about thirty thousand. But again, where would you put it? Where would you put it? MV reaches out and says, I really hope that changes now that uh, we have a football team since 2011 and we will never get an NFL team in the in San Antonio. Um, well, it, an NFL team would never play in the Alamo Dome. I mean, the Alamo Dome is not fit for a Power 5 team anyway in, in college football. Uh, so do I believe a football team will ever come to San Antonio, NFL team? Not unless we build a palace and not unless uh, they're willing to play at the Alamo Dome for a few years. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Lots of comments coming in. Again, you can be part of the show by reaching out to us on our YouTube stream. Please like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Now, the Drew Show earlier was making comments about Greg Popovich saying that he wishes Ima Yadoka was the head coach because Ima Yadoka, you know, talks uh, trash with uh, LeBron James. Ima Yadoka thrown out of the game uh, over the weekend uh, after he complained about uh, – LeBron James, he didn't complain to the officials. He complained to LeBron James himself because uh, LeBron James was being a little bitch, as he always is. Um, I want a new coach. I really do. Uh, I want a new coach for this team. And I've, I've been saying this for three or four years, man. This is just something that – sorry about that. My dog is jumping on the table. You okay? You okay, Daisy? So, doing this from home, typically we do this at the studio over at uh, Joe's house, but uh, again, he is in work training right now, so he can't do this right now. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, Greg Popovich is the greatest coach in Spurs history, will forever be the greatest coach in Spurs history, and he is somebody that is very well respected in the community, very well respected within the NBA and in all basketball circles. But his time has come. His time has come. Uh, this team has not played this poorly in 25 years. And it, it's, it, it's, a, it's awful to watch these games right now. Spurs started off the season, what, 3-2? and 3-2. And, and have since lost 14 games in a row. And the losing streak is going to get longer and longer and longer. And at what point do Spurs fans collectively – come around and say, maybe, just maybe, this is Pop. Maybe, just maybe, this is Brian Wright. Like, is there a head that's going to roll at any point when it comes to this? So when this season started and the Spurs had lost five or six in a row, I was talking about the fact that I thought the Spurs should move on from Pop, move him to the front office or whatever the case may be. And I looked at it this way. I put a poll out there in Pop We Trust, and about 80% of the people that responded disagreed with me. We're like, no way, man, Jimenez. No way. Uh, the Spurs are fine. Pop is the GOAT. He'll figure this out. This is the rebuilding year and all that shit, right? But after losses, I'm taking a look at this right now. The last time the Spurs won a game was November 2nd, so it's been over a month. They lost to the Raptors in overtime, a game that I was at. They lost to the Pacers by 41, to the Knicks by 21. They lost to the Timberwolves at home. They lost to the Heat at home. They lost by 36 to the Thunder. They lost to the Kings by 9. That was a close game. Uh, they lost to the Grizzlies by 12. They lost to the Clippers by 25. Lost to the Clippers again by 7. Lost to the Warriors by 6. Lost to the Nuggets by 12. Close game against the Hawks. Lost by two, then they lost to the Pelicans. Up next, they've lost 14 in a row. The Spurs have the Timberwolves on the, on the road. The Wolves are 9-1 and at home. They're not going to win that game. Spurs have the Bulls at home, the Rockets, back-to-back -back games against the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Bucks. Dude, it is very possible if the Spurs don't win that, that uh, game against the Bulls that we're going to be at 20 losses in a row. So um, about two or three weeks ago, when I would put a poll out on Twitter, 80% thought I was crazy. Put that poll out again last week or just get just, just test the waters a little bit. Now about half the fans out there are like, you know what, maybe a change is needed. This gets to 20 games. This gets to 20 games. Pop needs to go. 
And I think Spurs fans, the majority would agree. And maybe I jumped the gun a little bit early when it came to it all. Maybe because I was first on board saying that the Spurs should get get rid of Pop or move him up to the front office. Um, I saw this coming months, years ago. My question is, why didn't the front office see this? Why is the front office offering Pop contract extensions, multi-year contract extensions? Why? This is going to be the fifth losing season in a row. The Spurs have lost 80 of the last 105 games. Who keeps their job after that? Five losing seasons in a row and three and 16. Every single head coach right now would be kicked to the curb. But for some reason, Pop is allowed to do what he does. And then Pop had that moment a couple of weeks ago where he grabs the microphone and is telling fans to shut up and, and not boo and things like that. I'm done, man. I've been done for a while. I've been done for a long while. He's done a lot for the community. He's done a lot for the Spurs organization. He's very well respected. But the time has come. The time has come. And more and more Spurs fans, as this losing streak gets deeper and longer, more and more Spurs fans are starting to agree with me. Chat lines are open. I have not been... uh... Charlie Hernandez says... I see Pop not coaching next year, but finishing his contract in a front office position. God, I hope so. God, I hope so. Ruben reaches out and says, unless Jerry Jones buys the Spurs and pulls a Tom Landry, Pop is not going anywhere until he's ready to go. Drew reaches out and says, Pop needs five Hall of Famers to win a game. He had two All-Stars, DeJounte and White. Uh, I would say DeMar. Uh, couldn't win. Sample size is, uh, is in. The streak goes to 29-plus. Jesus, 29-plus. My goodness, we'd all have, we'd have, have uh, pitchforks, lit pitchforks, and 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 all that at the uh, at the uh, Frost Bank Center. Um, I like the idea of having a Jerry Jones type of moment. It is what it is. Druso, reaching out with a five dollar donation, my man, says Bear County UTSA and San Antonio FC should come to an agreement to have games played at Toyota Field. Let the let the goddamn dome go it's done expand toyota um i like going out to toyota field uh can that be expanded and what would the benefit be for utsa to go out there that's the thing um it's so far in the middle of nowhere at least for me anyway right the dome is relatively centralized i know it's not close to the the campus but it's relatively centralized um Toyota Field, I like the way it looks. I don't see the infrastructure there to get in and out from Wurzbach Parkway. Uh, so I would say a no-go to that, Drew, unfortunately. But I, w- I, don't, I wouldn't mind them doing something downtown, uh, figuring something out on campus. That would be great. That would be great. I just think logistically that's a bad area for a team. Um, they would have to do so much of it. I mean, you'd have to do road reconstruction for years to get that much traffic going in and out. It's it's just a it's a cluster F right there on 35 in Weedner and all of that area right there. Then you try if you try to get in from 410 on Perrin Vital, it just wouldn't work. It just wouldn't work. Uh, again, my name is Mike Jimenez. Uh, we're doing sports, pop culture, nostalgia. Uh, right now we're doing the show Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Again, we're available in all the major podcast formats. I miss having somebody to bounce conversations with and 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 joe and all that stuff and having the ability to have jeff garcia on or carolina teague i miss that man because right now i kind of feel like i'm on an island uh doing this show uh but the fact of the matter is is that uh joe is is in the basement right now as as uh, as the old saying goes what is he doing he's working on his on his craft he has a new job his new hours have not kicked in yet uh so he's in training so right now we're doing this show uh kind of just freelancing from home and I'm uh, having a good time doing it, man. But uh, we've been t- taking with the idea of bringing MJ Acquired Taste back. Uh, if that's going to be a Monday through Friday show and how that would work, uh, I would probably be in the studio a couple of days a week and then probably be home a couple of days a week. Uh, that wouldn't be that big, bad of a deal. Uh, on, the, uh, on the chats, though, if you can, if you're watching right now on our YouTube chat, what is a good time for this show? 
Originally, we had the show at noon. And then because of work reasons, we moved it back to 1030. But my question, and then we've had some shows at 3 p.m. just because it's like the end of the day on Friday. We did that on Friday. What times of the day are most convenient for you when it comes to listening to the show? Because I know a lot of people listen to Sports Talk Radio all day long. They might say, okay, oh, I like it at this time because it's before the Blitz. Or I like it at this time because it doesn't conflict with uh, Mike Taylor's show or whatever the case may be. Uh, let me know. I mean, reach out to me on Twitter. Reach out to me on Facebook or on this stream. Let me know what the best time is uh, for you to catch the content that we have going on over here. David Outwater reached out saying, yeah, Brian Wright is the issue. Dude, dude if Brian Wright didn't get the number one overall pick, that 14% chance to get Victor Webanyama, wouldn't he be on the hot seat? Wouldn't he be on the hot seat? Drew Show asking the question, are we going to get a Rocky Karate Kid style training montage from Joe? I hope so. I hope so. Ruben Espinosa coming out and says, it's so freaking painful to listen to. Please do 12 to 2. Rome is so freaking. My dog has jumped on, on the chat. Has entered the chat. My dog, that's Daisy. That is Daisy. Hi, Daisy. Daisy has entered the chat by jumping on the table. Wants a little bit of love. Mike Baez of Bear County Social Apparel says noon would be cool. Mike, I'm still waiting for that shirt, my man. I asked for one. It said I wanted pop gone before it was cool. <laughs> That's the one I want, man. That's the one I want. Hey, I uh, was taking a look at the uh, standings of the uh, NFL right now, and I just realized that this time next week we're going to be looking at the standings, and, at, and the NFC will have four teams tied for number one in the conference. You're going to have San Francisco, Dallas, Philadelphia, and Detroit all with the same identical record. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because what needs to happen there? Well, first of all, Dallas plays Philly Sunday night. And Dallas has been has been one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Daisy, I just put you down. It's been one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They win that game. They tie Philadelphia atop the NFC East. And then uh, Phil, uh, Detroit has a pretty easy game uh, that, that they're playing. And San Fran has a pretty easy game. So add it all together. Add it all together. Four teams will be tied with the same record this time next week. Seems like a lot of people are saying that they wanted it back at noon. That's interesting. That is interesting. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Raul reaches out and says 11 a.m. is or noon is good. Chris saying starting at 1045 is good for me and Friday can be late afternoons or anything. Mike Baez, 10 to noon, make it happen. Jesus, that's a long time. <laughs> you know what? Doing a uh, doing a, a two-hour show or a one-hour show is cool uh, when you have someone to bounce things off of here. Hey, look who just texted. It's Joe Garcia. What does Joe Garcia want? Joe Garcia says, did you get it working? Yes. But it's called MJ Acquired Taste today because, well, that was the only uh, music that I could find. Um Looks like Drew's reaching out to Leha and saying, yeah, let's lose 29 in a row. Got to get into the lottery until Pop gets his, Hall of his five Hall of Famers, one down with Wemby, four to go. It's so brutal, man. And, you know, it's so funny. When the season started, everyone was so amped up about this season because we got Wemby and there was that, that it factor. And you had, you know, more than 15 nationally televised games. I wonder those nationally televised games are going to be kicked back. Do people really care about Wemby anymore because he's on a team that that – is uh, losing 14 in a row. Jeff Garcia from Lockdown Spurs and Ken's Five. I, I was talking to him the other day about the fact that Vegas has moved the odds. And right now they have Chet Holmgren as the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, STP11 reaches out and says, I thought you had 38 wins. Yeah, I put my money where my mouth was on that one. And I've already given up those bets, man. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen at all. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, real fast, uh, let's talk about the uh, the Niners yesterday. The Niners absolutely decimated the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday at Lincoln Financial. So think about it this way. The Eagles played the Cowboys at Lincoln Financial Field. They played the Niners at Lincoln Financial Field. And 
They also played Kansas City on the road. And somehow or another, they won two of those three games. Somehow or another. And the Eagles yesterday got beaten up at their own building yesterday at Lincoln Financial Field. It was a crazy game. And the officials let a lot go, man. They let a lot go. Jalen Hurts was getting beaten up the entire game. And the Eagles oftentimes benefit from refereeing that kind of goes their way. Not yesterday, man. Yesterday, they were, I mean, most late hits were allowed. Most hard hits were allowed. There was at one point, though, midway through the third quarter, where you had the, uh, uh, one of the star players from San Francisco's uh, linebackers uh, got uh, thrown out of the game because he made contact with the head of security for the Eagles, who then he was also ejected. It was a crazy situation. It looked like it was going to amp up the Eagles, so that the Eagles would do what they've been doing all year long, which is come from behind and win the game at the end. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, too much Debo Samuel, too much Christian McCaffrey, too much Brock Purdy. The Niners, who were like looked like they were left for dead a while back after losing three in a row, have turned it all around. Trent Williams is playing is out of his mind, and Brock Purdy plays like a different different quarterback when Trent Williams is there at left tackle. So Raul reaches out and says, seeing the Eagles get smoked made my day. Now, I still believe the Eagles are going to win the division, though, okay, because they have gone through the gauntlet right now. If you've seen who the Eagles have played over the past month, it is impressive what they've been able to do because the Eagles right now, this is what they played the last month. They beat the Cowboys on November 5th. They beat the Chiefs on the road. They beat the, the, uh, the Bills in overtime, and they lost to the Niners. That is a tough stretch there. Then before that, they beat the Dolphins. But right now, the Eagles have a very easy schedule down the stretch. They've got the Cowboys next. That's their hardest game on the schedule. After that, they're on the road against Seattle. Okay, decent team. But down the stretch, Giants, Cardinals, Giants again. Those are three automatic wins right there for the Philadelphia Eagles. Three. Cowboys, on the other hand, are going to have to go play Detroit. They're going to have to play Buffalo, they're going to have to play Miami and have to play the Eagles. And they're a game behind right now. So I still think the Cowboys are going to come up second in the division. I still think the Cowboys are going to be, uh, they may very well tie the Eagles this past week, this upcoming week. But as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy and the way that the schedules are stacked, I think the Cowboys are still going to be second place when it's all said and done. I was reading earlier today that the tush push might be banned that the uh, NFL commissioner is wanting the tush push banned, and I agree. I've been on the fence about this for the longest time, man. I, I that whole rugby style play is so unfair, and it works eighty six percent of the time. And I'm glad that the NFL is going to be looking at this because I mean it's a genius what they do when they get Jalen Hurts there. I mean they they literally hike the ball to Jalen Hurts, and he gets carried over the first down marker, gets carried into the end zone. He scored a touchdown yesterday where they carried him five yards and then he walked. He never hit the ground. He walked off the play. Like he climbed off the play. It was ridiculous. Uh, the touch push might be banned by this upcoming season. Um, yeah, rugby football has no place in the NFL. Has no place in the NFL. Raul, Chief says, uh, he says the Chiefs are cooked. They won't make the Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs lost yesterday to the uh, Green Bay Packers. You know, uh, what we're going to hear is this. Oh, they're losing because um, Taylor Swift. That's going to be the popular narrative uh, when it comes to that. Uh, as though Travis Kelsey isn't going to be a um, isn't going to be a Pro Bowler this year. Travis Kelsey yesterday, 81 yards receiving, 91 yards receiving the week before that. He's at 813 yards receiving for the year. He's going to get over 1,000 yards again. This is somebody who's – that's one, two, three, four. That'll be his eighth year in a row of over 1,000 yards receiving. And the two years before that, he was close to 900 yards receiving. Guy's a future Hall of Famer. He's doing well. But we're going to hear the narrative. Oh, it's because it's because, uh, it's because of Taylor Swift. Dave Atwater says, I hate the tush push because I hate the Eagles. <laughs> Chris Gonzalez thinks the tush push is going to stay. I mean – the idea of having a quarterback lineup 
have everybody bunch together and have two running backs and a wide receiver and a tight end push from behind. And the only team that knows when the snap count's going to happen is the offense. It's unstoppable. You can't stop it. If you can't stop that play, it, it's weird. And, you know, Chris Brown says the other NFL teams can only convert the tush push about 62% of the time. Whose fault is that? Well, I mean, the other teams don't have Jason Kelsey at center, and they don't have Jalen Hurts who can, you know, power lift and 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 can do all – I mean, has like tree trunks for legs. Um, but they don't do it the same way. It's a little bit different, man. It's a little bit different. Spurs again in action uh, on Wednesday, taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Lost 14 in a row. Jeremy Sohan's been playing well, man. And Jeremy Sohan uh, is shooting 42% from three right now. And his effective field goal shooting percentage is at 50% right now. Uh, is 50% good? No. But is 50% bad? No. He has gone from a very ineffective offensive player to now a mediocre one, a decent one, okay? He's gone from, this is all-star level, this is good, this is okay, this is trash, right? What has he done? He's gone from here to here. And I got to give him props for that. Uh, at his position, you want to have an effective field goal shooting percentage of at least 51 to 52%, and he's at 50.1. He's getting there. He's getting there. So people reaching out saying, Michael, you said that if you became a good three-point shooter that you would color your hair, and uh, I might have to live up to that. But then the question becomes, what color? And who should make this decision as to the color? Should the decision be made by the listeners? Should it be made by a poll on Twitter? Or should I ask Jeremy Sohan myself? There is a possibility that I might be in Jeremy Sohan's presence in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I might introduce myself to the, to the guy and say, hey, look, man, what color do you want? What color do you want? Provided that he's at that level by, let's say, the end of the year, end of the calendar year. Let's, say, let's just say December 1st, if he's north of 38%, I'll do something. I'll do something. Okay. Uh, but uh, there's an opportunity for me to possibly, possibly meet Jeremy Sohan in the next week or two, and I'll give reasons as to why in a, uh, uh, at a later time. Uh, but I might get to meet him, and uh, we'll see how let's see how the fireworks go when it comes to that. Uh, but uh, hope everyone's having a good day today. Again, we're going to be doing the show uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, we we're we're doing them at ten thirty, but we're tinkering with the idea of moving it up or down. Tinkering with the idea of doing five days as opposed to three. Lots of things that are in the mix right now, but I need Joe to come back, man, because I miss that dude. I miss that dude. Raul comes at us and says, Tush Push should be banned because it's a leverage play, just like it's illegal to climb on top of, of another player to try to block a field goal. Agreed. Agreed. It's impossible to stop, man. It's, it's, it's relatively impossible to stop. I got to take a picture of this, by the way. My doggy is on top of the table right now looking for attention. I fed them all. Believe me, I fed my dogs. They're all here. Um, but, man, this is going to be a, an exciting month for me. Uh, I've got uh, my daughter's college graduation, so I wear my LSU dad shirt. Uh, my daughter is going to be graduating from college next week, so I'm looking forward to going out there. I'm going to go on Thursday and be out there till Sunday. Come on back. We're going to enjoy Christmas over here, and then after that, I go back to Baton Rouge and I move my daughter to her new apartment. Um, so she's going to be staying out there. She's working for The Advocate, which is a, a newspaper over there. It's kind of like their version of the San Antonio Express News. And uh, she is their crime reporter over there, does a fantastic job. She's a great writer. Oftentimes she's at crime scenes. Uh, you know, she does a lot of things when it comes to shootings and, and murders and major car accidents and stuff like that. So she's out there doing that. Uh, she's going to be out there for a couple of years, so we're moving her from the dorm or the apartment on campus to her actual new apartment, her real apartment, if you will, uh, which is just outside of campus. So I'm super excited about that. Again, UTSA is playing Marshall in the Frisco Bowl, eight and a half point favorites. Marshall coming in at six and six. Michigan favored by a point and a half over Bama in the Rose Bowl. That's the 
playoff semifinal. Texas, four-point favorite over Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Dude, a Bama-Texas national championship would be huge. That would break records when it comes to ratings. You know that that's what they want. And that's why Florida State's not there, man. That's exactly why Florida State is not there. Um, Ruben says your daughter will be busy in Louisiana. <laughs> the only time crime doesn't happen is when uh, LSU's playing football and when and when uh, uh, the Saints are on. My God, the Saints look like shit right now. They look like crap right now. I'm not even. I'm not even talking about my own favorite team. Hey, the Houston Texans won yesterday. Uh, back over 500, seven and five. Uh, they're they're one spot away from making the playoffs right now if the season ended right now. Uh, but they are in prime position to make a run because they've got a crappy schedule the rest of the way. A crappy schedule in the sense that the that the teams that they play are not very good. They should go three and one. They should go three and one because a three and one would get them to what ten and seven, somewhere around there. Uh, does ten wins get you into the playoffs? Let's see here, Houston Texans schedule. I was just looking at this earlier. They've got the Jets this week. That should be a win, right? Then they've got the uh, Titans on the road. That's a tough game. Titans play really good at home. Then they've got the Browns, the Titans again, and the Colts. I'm sorry. Go go three and two. You might make the playoffs, dude. Three and two might make it. Fellas, I will be better prepared for a pop culture segment next time. I promise you that. Uh, On Friday, we talked about the fact that uh, Daryl Hall has uh, sued his his uh, longtime partner John Oates, longtime uh, playing partner John Oates. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens, according to TMZ, got married to a guy named Cole Tucker. Not a big fan of her. Not a big fan of her. Do you know one of the one things I've been watching on on TikTok these days? We talk about people getting canceled all the time, right? And the whole Matt Rife thing, and uh, the, com- the comedian Matt Rife who performed here in San Antonio this past weekend. Uh, how he's being kind of canceled in many ways by many people because of uh, some offensive jokes he's he told on a Netflix special. Um, but I find it interesting that I go on TikTok a lot, and I find that a lot of people are getting concerned, or not concerned, they're getting upset about the fact that it's like they're finally realizing that Jennifer Lopez didn't sing in a lot of her songs. Or at least what we think is her voice is not her voice. And it's kind of a it's a revisionist history in some respect, in the sense that I've known this for a long time, but I find it funny that it's like the year twenty twenty three, people are going back and revisiting Jennifer Lopez's catalog and realizing, wow, that Jenny from the Block song that's not her singing half the time. Wow, you know I'm real, that's not her singing half the time. And it's so funny how like twenty years later, people are catching on to the fact that Ashanti did so much of the singing. And a lot of other performers were singing, doing demos and whatnot, and they were kept in on the final product. Kind of funny. Kind of funny. Tim Gonzalez says the dog wants to give his opinion on the college football playoffs. That's right. That right, Daisy. Is that right, Daisy? Did you hear what happened to Florence Pugh in Baton Rouge? Did not. Did not. But when I go to Baton Rouge, though, one of the cool things about it is I get to go gamble. They have casinos in Baton Rouge. They have casinos in Lake Charles on the way over there. So I'll be able to check that out. That'll be pretty cool. But, uh, fellas, that's my show for the day. We're going to get going on Wednesday around 1030 as well. Uh, if you have any uh, topics that you want to discuss, just reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at MJ Acquired Taste. Uh, but hope everyone has a fantastic day. We'll do more pop culture uh, in a moment. But uh, I have to let you go. Work literally is calling right now, so I got to get everybody get off the phone or get off the podcast. But we'll talk to it soon. Uh, real fast, Drew show with a power chat right here. The five Hall of Fame players at or near their prime. I'll wait. The tide of history will change soon. People will say, "How many chips should have won? Should he have should have been five or six or seven or eight? Um, I like that point, uh, Drew. So basically. If Pop had retired in 2014 as a, as the champ, you know, g- gone out on top, he would have been considered to be the greatest coach of all time. It would have been like a 1 and a 1A between him and Phil Jackson. But the fact that he held on so long and he has five losing seasons in a row, potentially six and seven beyond this, 
it makes you go back in time and ask the question, well, wow, could he have won more titles? In theory, the Spurs could have won eight. I mean, think about that. They could have won 2013 if it wasn't for Ray Allen. Why Tim Duncan wasn't on the court at that time, one of the greatest defenders of all time, was not on the court the last minute of the game, I'll never know. I mean, that is Pop's biggest what-if of all time. Manu hacking Dirk Nowitzki in the Western Conference Finals uh, that allowed Dallas to beat the Spurs and go on to win the title in 2011. Point four with Derek Fisher. I mean, if that didn't go in, Spurs more than likely would have won that. Uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, landing on Zaza Puchilia's ankle. That's four right there. Spurs could have won nine chips. Where is Tim Duncan on the pantheon of greatest players of all time if he has nine rings? We were that close to nine. That close to nine. Amazing. Drew shows us Kawhi gets one more. Timmy gets one more. That's seven. Timmy could have had seven after that. Seven, but, I mean, we go back in time. Point four, 2013, Manu hacking Dirk Nowitzki. Lots of things happened along the way. There was also a time when uh, Tim, in his prime, had plantar fasciitis and wasn't able to perform very well in the playoffs or, or at all. So a lot of things happened along the way. What about when Manu dislocated his elbow or shoulder that one time uh, in the playoffs? So, I mean, the Spurs could have had a lot more than just five. I mean, the dynasty could have been six, seven, eight, nine, ten easily, which is crazy. This has been fun. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Got to get back to work, man. You all have a good day today.